0: Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Good morning. You guys still doing good? This is going to be a fun, fun morning, I think. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. Before we jump in today, I want to let you know that uh, you may have gotten an email from Pastor Mike this week. He sent out a financial update letter. How many of you got that? I'm good. You're checking your emails. That's great. If you're one of those people like, I need a hard copy. Well, we have them for you. Stop by the point. It's that 10 outside that says the point. And you can grab a hard copy out there right after service. It gives you an update where we're at currently in our finances at uh, this point in the year. It also gives you an update on where we're at in the Freedom Fund. So grab that at the end of the service if you need one. This morning we're jumping in and the topic today it's called the dark side in spiritual warfare. And if you have your program there's a white and green message note sheet feel free to grab that you could follow along. And I'm going to start out today with a sco- story. It's a little bit scary is that okay? All right, it's not that scary. A demonic encounter. Jesus, it's a snapshot in the life of Jesus. And he began his public ministry. And he would travel around Galilee. One of the things he would do, he would stop in churches and preach. These synagogues. And he would preach. So imagine that service. Jesus is preaching. Pretty good service. You can't lose. Well, this service had another twist. As he's speaking, one of the attenders... In the service. Gets up. And in, and in a weird voice just says, What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? You want to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. That's kind of a sermon interrupter, right? That'll kind of stop things dead in its track. Jesus stops. He looks at him. And he says, Be quiet. Come out of him. And then... It describes the, the man as beginning to shake violently. Then he screams, and then he's free. Well, what in the world is going on? In fact, people at that point they said, "What is this? This new teaching, new authority? Keyword: There's authority. He even orders evil spirits, and they obey him. They'd never seen anything like that." They were aware of evil spirits, but they'd never seen someone coming with authority and taking authority over him, just like that. That's a small snapshot of two kingdoms that are in conflict. We're going to be looking at this, this conflict that's at play, how it can actually affect our lives. We are, this is, we're, we've been doing a study in the series of Galatians. Pastor Mike has been going through a mini-series, and it really deal, has been dealing with the dark side, a reference to... Part of ourselves, the flesh, that is drawn, uh, drawn to fall into sin. And it's been, he's been talking about how the Spirit of God is able to empower us to walk in freedom from that. So there's a dark force known as the flesh. Our own natural tendencies of sin, our desires. The Bible is also clear there's another dark force. And it's evil. It's demonic. And it's sometimes really subtle. Today is the sidebar. Um, in the series to take a one-shot look at what this other dark side is about, how it kind of plays out in our lives. So we're going to talk about the two kingdoms that are in conflict, and whenever we do this, there's also two warnings I want to be able to go through briefly with you guys. And all of us can become open to demonic influence. So we'll look at how do we become open to that, and if we have become open to it, how do you walk free from it? You ready to jump in? Um, follow along in your note sheet because there's several verses I have listed out. And the first one is going to start giving you an an insight on the fact that there's a whole other kingdom. It's Ephesians chapter 6, and it's verse 12. Look at it with me. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, did you catch all those different names and titles? Powers, authorities, rulers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What are those references to? That is a reference to another kingdom. It's a reference to the demonic. It's a reference to Satan and the band of demons that follow him around doing his bidding. It's a dark kingdom. Now, is Satan real? We know he is, if you study scripture, he is talked about from the beginning to the very end, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He's referred to. Jesus believed in it. Jesus talked to him directly, confronted him directly. He's seen from the very beginning, tempting people. He tempted Eve in the garden. He's seen opposing the work of God, trying to steal away truth from people. He's always been seen getting in there, twisting, trying to manipulate and thwart the purposes of God. So he's real. Well, who is he? Just the brief snapshot. When God created angels, the highest angel ever created was Lucifer. Call him as Satan. And he was powerful, is powerful. The most powerful of all of them. In in the, the highest position. So he had great power, great authority. According to Revelation 12, the sin of pride is what brought him down and was cast out of heaven. And along with him, about a third of the angels fell with him. So fallen angels are what are known as demons. They fell away. Their leader is Satan. you got to understand, um, it's a formidable foe. There are thousands upon thousands in their ranks. We get a, a small snapshot in Ephesians 6. There's obviously a lot of order and rankings of these, but we don't know a lot about it. But they're gifted. They're gifted in all levels of evil, deception, temptation. They've been studying the human race for thousands of years, anything to slow it down, to stop it. We live in a Western culture, we don't even talk about this stuff very often, but scripture is very real, very, lays it out very directly. Um, so our battle in Ephesians 6, it says, our, we are not battling flesh and blood. That means our battle, truest battle in life, it's not against people. Our goal as Christians, are people. We want to proclaim Christ and freedom that the gospel brings to people. Our great foe is the enemy, is God's enemy, Satan, the band of demons that follow him. And so as we jump into this, there's a couple other verses I want to look at because this dark kingdom um, is, uh, is temporary. It's ending. Scripture's clear. Satan is a defeated foe. And there will be a time he will be ultimately judged. It lays out he'll be thrown into the abyss along with band of demons and forever conquered. So Jesus is beginning um, establishing his kingdom, his rule. And it's being done in stages. We're kind of in the time between times, the time before he's ultimately judged. But we also live in a time where there's new power because Jesus has come. Look at another scripture. It's on your outline. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. It says, for he has rescued us and it's referring to Jesus, from the domain of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So the greatest love story, the greatest rescue mission, is all wrapped around the idea that there is another kingdom and it's represented by Jesus and he's coming with authority and rescuing us from something we could never be rescued from on our own. So the, the whole message of the cross, his death, his resurrection in our place has paid the price of sin and we got a new sheriff in town. And that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 on your outline, it says Jesus in reference to him, he too shared in their humanity, means he became like us incarnate walked on this earth so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death that is the devil so what did the cross accomplish victory over the foe and when i said jesus always had full authority it's not like heaven was going to be overturned by satan but what he has victory from he has given us victory people humanity an opportunity to be free from their sin and now to choose and follow god we got we live with a defeated foe, but who is still active in the house power. And Jesus said, you can know that this power is alive and real. That's the next scripture on your outline. It's Matthew 12:28. It says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What is Jesus saying? It's that story at the beginning. He cast out a demon. What's he saying? This is new authority. And, he, and the best way to think of this new authority, this other kingdom, when you hear the word kingdom of God or kingdom of darkness, the best way to describe a kingdom is not like a city that you enter into. It's not like we're going into Los Angeles. The kingdom represents rule and authority, a sphere of um, rulership. There's a king that rules in that area wherever Jesus went preaching, teaching, healing, casting things out, he was demonstrating his rule and authority. When we surrender our life to Christ, his kingdom is entering into our life because we're surrendering to a new king. There's new rule. There's new authority. So we live in a time where his rule, his authority goes on our behalf, overcomes sin, death, Satan, anything else. So it's a powerful time and our goal is to ensure that our life is full of his kingdom, his rule, and his authority. That is the heart of spiritual battle. Satan is still battling for rule and place in our life, the anim- and, and God is saying, no, there is full rule in Christ, and there's full freedom in Christ, and that's what we can experience. That's the big context. Does that help? So that's the big overview. Those are two kingdoms in conflict. Two warnings. Whenever we talk about this, this is really important to lay out. The first one, do not overestimate Satan's power. Don't overestimate it. Is he powerful? Very powerful. Um, but is he all-powerful? No. Is he all-knowing? No. Is he equal to God? No. He is a created being. God is not created. God is all-powerful. He has limited power. The other thing to know is he has limited authority. He can't just go doing, off, doing what he wants. What he, he can do, we can give influence in our lives that gives him freedom. But he can't just come and do that. In fact, when he wants to attack believers, he's got to go through God. Because we fall under another authority. You see, when he, he did that with Job, Job had to ask God, "Can I? hey, let me go get him. You think he's strong? Let me go get him. God had to give permission for him. So he has limited authority. But the other hand, so one warning is, don't overestimate his power because some people live in true fear. We're never told that we have to be afraid of this. We have to live in fear from him. no. We we live with our eyes focused on Jesus. We don't need to run around looking for him everywhere. But he's, he's powerful. Don't overestimate it. The second warning, don't underestimate it. Don't underestimate his power. We're told often, hey, don't be unaware of his schemes. Don't be unaware. This is warfare. We are in battle. And you're right in the middle of it as a believer. You are. Um, and as we look at it, first Peter 5 8 is a scripture. You can write down, you could look at it later, but it describes. Satan's activity, as someone who is prowling around like a roaring lion. So you get this picture of this a lion stalking its prey. And at any moment, he will take him out. He would love to take us all out, genuinely. And he's gifted at bringing us down in very powerful, unique ways. But again, he can't just do that on his own. He either has to get permission from God for something unique, a specific direct attack, or we've got to open the door to give him freedom to take advantage and have influence. And when I say Satan, you understand I'm referring to is we're probably not individually being attacked by Satan himself, one of the demons, one of his horde. So it's very real, very active. So the point is he's very real, he's powerful, and he can have influence in our lives. So what are the ways that we open the door? How do we pro- give him influence? If you're following in your outline, it says there's three entry points for demonic influence. First one is the occult. The occult. Mike briefly mentioned in Galatians 5.20 the sin of witchcraft. One of the marks of the flesh that people start living that out. Behind witchcraft and the occult is a very dark power. And it's real. I remember um, I had a a friend in college open the door to it. He didn't even realize it. But I remember we were in a, a small group together. I was praying for him. We each prayed for somebody separate each night, and I called him. I was here back here in the valley. He was at Biola where we were going to school, and I called him, and, how are things going? How can I pray for you tonight? He goes, I don't know. You, you just got to know, I am um, having weird dreams. I'm, my roommate and I, we're, getting, we're fighting. I don't know. It's just tense in here, but it's only when we're here in our room, and I don't know. It's kind of bringing me down. And he's, a, he's one of those guys, like, his emotions are, they barely go up and barely go down. Just very even-keeled kind of guy. Um, I said, that's weird. I said, well, let me pray for that tonight. And so, um, all of a sudden, he says, no, don't pray. I'm like, what's going on? And he's terrified. He goes, I, there is something here. I'm like, well, who, what's there? No, there's not, I can't see it, but there's something here. Well, he, he says it feels like there's something dark present. I said, well, I'm praying. And he is freaking out. And so I said, you repeat after me. God gave me scriptures. I was quoting scripture. We prayed. All of a sudden, it breaks. And we, we got some advice from one of the uh, professors on campus who had dealt with this, uh, one of the seminary profs. And he, it, as we did, we ended up going in his room as a small group. We prayed over his room. But he had ended up having all these, uh, he had these items he had gotten, were involved in occult worship. And he had them in his room. And who knows how he opened the door or what what he did. But all we did, we prayed over him. Book of Acts, they're like seen burning the stuff. So what did we do? We burned it. We prayed over him. Prayed over the room. And it was broken. It's one of those weird pictures where if you open the door, I can't guarantee what's coming through. Maybe nothing. But you crack it open, you are opening yourself to evil influence. And the occult is one of the entry points. There's a lot of ways people fall into this and a lot of times for us it's ah, it's harmless so we we kind of fall into it by um not even thinking it's a big deal I did that I did it when I was in junior high on a Halloween night uh some of my friends went in this room and we're playing this occult game and I'm telling you some it was dark we had a very dark experience terrified we ran out of that room so I'm saying if you start opening the door be careful because there is something, there's real dark power. In fact, the dark power is seen in the Old Testament. You see when Moses and Aaron confronted Pharaoh, uh, one of the signs God gave Moses was, hey, throw your staff down. It'll turn into a stick. Show them the miracle. Well, it says when they confronted the sorcerers, the sorcerers could do the same false miracle. Boom. They, they tried to mimic God. Throw it down. Well, there's dark power going on. God demonstrates he has all power, so Aaron's snake ate theirs. Don't you love that? Um, so... But you see that even in the end when the Antichrist comes, he's going to have supernatural healing that's going to happen even with him. So there, are, there, is, some, there is real power in this, in this whole area of the occult. So that's why when people are going to go there and there's, there's hundreds of forms of it, but can they have supernatural knowledge? Well, of course. It's a demonic realm. They've been around for centuries. They're pretty wise. Are they all knowing? Do they know the future? No. They know what is written in Scripture. They're aware of that. But they don't know it all. But they can be pretty deceitful. So that's why I'm going to give you a list of things you want to stay away from. So obviously, things used directly in the occult, whether it's occult artifacts, things directly used in that. White magic, black magic, there's not good magic and bad magic. Guess who's behind it all? It's demonic. Wicca, fortune telling, tarot cards, palm reading, astrology. Now, like I said, can you find some pretty amazing things in that? Could you actually hear, almost seems something very supernatural at play. A lot of these people are just ripping you off, honestly, but sometimes you're going to enter dark power, and it is real. But let me just say, one lie is that it's harmless, the other lie is that it's helpful, and it will always get you. It's deceptive. Table lifting, light as a feather, speaking in a trance, automatic writing, telepathy, astral projection, seances. In a seance, could you actually talk to something? Yes. Is it your dead aunt you're trying to contact? No. Is it Harry Houdini? No. Uh, They may act like your aunt or Harry Houdini, but let me say, scripture's clear. When you're dead, you're gone. You're either with God or you're not with God. You're in heaven, you're in hell, you're one or the other. It says, apart from the body, you're present with the Lord, not wandering around in the astral planes waiting for something. That's demonic. So be careful. The same thing, if there's ghosts, things like that. People talk about, they have they seen these things? That is not somebody who died in your house waiting to go somewhere. No, they've already gone. That is demonic. So, But the great thing about that stuff, great, we have authority. We don't even need to stress about that stuff. We can stand in authority and resist that. Um, so don't get involved in talking to them. There's not, it's, it's a trap. It's a scheme. So I, even if you have a little kids, they start saying, I'm talking to something. Well, A lot of times they're just playing around. That's normal. But if there is real something dark that's going on, Pray against that. Stand against that. Don't let them be deceived into that. Some people go in very deep in this stuff, and that may be some of you. Blood packs, deep ritual. Let me just say it's dark, and it is a real form of bondage. Be careful about that. Um, see people who have just even innocently kind of gotten involved. They have a hard time praying, hard time concentrating. Sometimes people can't sit through a service, they've got to take off. They have weird dreams, weird things happen. Well, great, you probably open a door, something's there, but the nice thing is we can shut the door. As in Christ, we have authority uh, based on his authority to resist it. So what's one of the entry points? The occult. Let me give you a second entry point. Disobedience. Disobedience is the second entry. Ephesians 4 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil... A foothold. Well, this is interesting. What he's saying is there is a form of anger that's okay, that's righteous anger, that's all right to have it. It's also not, but it is saying, oh, let me clarify this, it is saying that if you stew on that, ah, you're angry. Oh, was, those tapes play in your mind over and over. Bitterness begins to, to root and take seat in your life. Well, what the Bible does, it says, it gives kind of a vivid description, you are giving ground... The word for foothold is topos. It's the word we even get for topography. It means you're surrendering ground in your life. It's almost like you're giving the enemy a building permit. Like, hey, come on in. Take camp out right here. And you're giving him a sphere of influence to operate and negatively influence your life. Well, why in the world would he want to do that? If we are consumed by something, oh, you're angry about this thing. And it is just eating you up and it plays over and over and over. It's like being a runner who's trying to run but staring at their feet. You ever tried to run and stare at your feet? You can't go fast or you're going to fall, one of the two. So it's a great form of distraction. It's very effective, actually. Another reason is because it provides a greater opportunity of influence in your life. When we live in disobedience, we are opening a door for evil influence as well. You've given ground. It's a vivid description, isn't it? So be careful. So disobedience could be one, and it can come in hundreds of forms as well too. Unforgiveness, living in an affair, abuse, theft, you name it. Critical spirit, it's just, and you hold that. Careful. Disobedience opens a door. Third area that opens a door is deceit. This is John 8.44. In your outline, you can read along, it says, he was a murderer from the beginning. Who's it referring to? Satan. Not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks for his native language, for he's a liar and he's the father of lies. Well, is he a good liar? He is a gifted liar. He's good. He may have 95% truth and just 5%, just enough to twist it enough. To take you off course. He's good. In fact, he's always been like that. He's described in this passage as a murderer. Now we know we have, he has limits. He may not be able to kill you. But what could he do? Imagine if he could give you the thought that life isn't worth living. And that goes over and over and over. He might not be able to kill you, but if he could get you to do it, oh man. He'll get you that way. Now can he do that? Can Satan, demons actually give you thoughts, temptation? Yeah, it's very clear. There's a lot of examples. I'll just, I'll just tell you one. You could look it up later. It's Matthew 16, and it's a story. It's Peter. Peter is one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter is, uh, at this moment, he just said, no, I believe you, Jesus. I believe who you are. He's declaring his faith in God. Powerful moment. And you see, right after this powerful moment, he's saying, no, I believe you. The very next thing that happens, Jesus says, well, let me tell you what's going to happen. I have to suffer, and then I'm going to die. This is my redemption plan. And then Peter says this in verse 23 um, or 22. It says, far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen to you. You don't need to go to the cross. God. You don't need to do that. And it sounds like a plea of compassion from a friend, right? It's subtle, and Jesus recognized what was really going on. This is one of his abilities, like he just called it out. So the very next word out of Jesus' mouth was not like, Peter, thanks so much, I know, but let me explain what's going on. The very next words out of his mouth were, get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. What's going on? The very words Peter was sharing was not necessarily his own thoughts. He felt like they were. That's the whole thing with deception. It's sneaky. We feel like it's our own. But Jesus called it out saying, no, those are thoughts from the enemy to try and thwart me from a plan. So we got to be careful. Deception is a powerful, powerful tool. It's a powerful trick. He did it from the very beginning. He deceived Eve into her first sin. We saw it when he deceived Israel, a whole nation, into worshiping idols. Remember when Moses goes on the mountain, they come down, now they're worshiping a calf. What just happened? He's gifted at Deception. He deceived the nation of Israel into murdering the Messiah that they'd been hoping for. They didn't see it in front of them. Eventually, he will deceive Israel again into believing the Antichrist is truly Christ. He is gifted at this. That's why, don't underestimate it, but his main power is deception. So, if we've had the occult disobedience and deception, how do we step free from this? I'm going to give you some very basic steps to walk free from this. And in your outline, there's a, there's a scripture I printed out because it gives a, us a good visual to look at this. It's 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5, the good news is we can walk free from this stuff. But looks, look at how it talks about this battle. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, let me pause for a second. What kind of weapons would we think we would rely on? We feel like we're pretty smart, right? Do you understand the demonic is a lot smarter? Can't just overcome it with our own intellect. Can't go toe-to-toe in an intellectual battle on this stuff. You can't outwill it. This is always an authority issue. Always on an authority issue. You're going to notice this passage talks about truth. You need a higher authority to come in. I remember I was on duty Uh, working vice. I work as a reserve police officer. I do that part-time. I'm here full-time. But I was working vice, and I had a partner, and we responded to a call. A big fight broke out, and we're looking for some of the troublemakers, and we see one of them kind of mouthing off to somebody else. And so we get out of the car. We're going to go approach this guy. As we start approaching him, he opens his trunk, gets a bat out, and turns and faces us. So uh, we responded in kind. We took out our guns and our badges. And uh, (laughs) don't ever bring... A bat to a gunfight. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> we, tr- we pulled out our guns and our badges. And what's he do? He starts crying. It was a great scene. <laughs> now what's he crying about? Yeah, there's guns there. But what's he really crying about? He knows we represent a higher authority. And he didn't want to go to jail. Do you understand? Whenever we deal with the demonic, we always pull out. A, there's a higher authority we stand behind. And that's what this is about. So the weapons we fight with are not... Uh, the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The divine power is even listed out in Ephesians 6. It talks about it. Key ones, though, are the belt of truth, the spirit of truth. What's it saying? It is a truth war. Deception is key in every form. We've already hit it on the occult. It's, there's deceptive lies and things. But this is a truth war. Um, so we we got to stand on truth. We had truth incarnate, Jesus. We have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. We have the word of truth. The Bible, right? We've got truth. So this is not a little feelings-based war. It's an authority war, and we stand on the truth of God's word. That's how this thing goes. Verse 4 says, it's powerful enough to demolish strongholds. I'll talk about that in just a second. It says, we demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. All this stuff is coming against God. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So somehow in this scripture it's saying we can have strongholds of area that we've given over in our life. All these open areas can actually become a stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? He'll show you a picture in a second. There's one. A stronghold is basically a fortified place in the middle of a city. Ancient battles, a lot of times they'd have a wall around their city. An approaching army would be breaking down, trying to get through the walls. If they breached the wall... You have one last place of defense, and that's a stronghold. Everybody retreats to it. What's good about a stronghold? They're tough and easily defended. Everybody gets in there, little windows are going to be picking people off as they come up there. Like, do you want to run up and try and open that door? It's tough. And so they were very effective. The Bible just, it basically is laying out that we can have areas of stronghold of areas we may have surrendered in our life. You may have even come to Christ but have areas of twisted thinking or weird patterns of thought all the way from your past that are still influencing you today. So we need to go and raise the stronghold. That means level them. We're going to take them out. So that's what this is looking at. Those strongholds can surface in different ways. I want to look at three steps um, on here, and each one correlates to one of the first three we, we've already gone through as a way, an entry point. So how do you shut each of those doors? Let's take a look at each one. The first one is we're going to deal with the occult. How do you deal with the occult? Well, you know what we need to do? You need to renounce it. Very simple. We're going to renounce it. Well, how does this, how does this play out? What's this look like? In Scripture, here's a chain. If you picture, ah, you're, you start dabbling in this stuff, or you're heavily involved, you get a, it's like a chain. And you start dabbling in the occult, you could have... Bondage to this. You've opened up some ground. Now you've kind of given a free, you know, give him a foothold in this area. He's got free right to attack. So you're out there. You're getting kind of wrapped up in this stuff. And then Scripture says, "Hey, you're also supposed to be fighting off temptation." You know how hard it is to fight when you're chained up like this. You know, you can't do much. You're limited. And some people say, "I don't know. I just don't seem to have a lot of victory in my life." The whole time they're dabbling in this stuff or deeply involved in it. Well, of course you don't have victory. You're walking around in chains. You don't have power to take take these chains off yourself, but you go to your higher authority, which is, who's the authority? Jesus, the name above every name. Everyone bows to Christ. And say, Lord, I renounce ever being involved. And you name it. You name anything that comes to your mind that you've been involved in. And if you wonder, trust me, he'll bring it to your mind. Lord, I renounce it. I pray you would break the chains of bondage of this. Would you release me and let him undo the chains? Let him unwind them from you. And let him take them off. Because until you do, you may be living in bondage to that. Is this rocket science? But you know what? Sometimes you could live your life for years or decades and never do it. Today is taking background in the area even of the occult. You break the chains. By renouncing it. Make sense? Okay, simple. Simple. So, number one is renounce. Break in the chains. Confess those things openly. And ask God to take gra- back ground that was surrendered. You're really going through that. What was the second area we talked about? Second area was disobedience. Well, this one is deals with confession. Confession. If you have walked in disobedience, do you know what that's like? Um, When you're carrying the weight of sin around, doesn't it feel like a weight in your life? It's a burden you carry. We've all felt it. Don't you you hate that feeling when you know you're guilty? Before He keeps nudging you on it. It's there. And so it's kind of like you've got a backpack, and inside of your backpack, this thing has got a ton of these bricks in here. These bricks represent weight. It's a heavy burden you carry. So you got like this backpack, And here you go, you're living life, you're walking around, hey, everything's cool, you know, you get winded a little bit quicker, you can't tolerate as much, your temper may be a little shorter, these things happen in your life, and scripture talks about you need to run a race, well, you're trying to run a race with a weight on your back that you were never intended to carry. We can even deceive and trick ourselves, feeling like, I know I've got this thing, but it's making me stronger, I, I like to hold on to this. This bitter attitude I've got, or this critical spirit I've got, it's, it makes me stronger. No, it doesn't. That's deceptive. It's actually slowing you down for what God would like to accomplish in your life. Disobedience is dealt with, but simply, you're confessing and turning from it. You may have walked in here today carrying this. You may have been walking in here for years carrying this stuff. It's simple. I mean, it may not be easy, but it is simple. Do you know the heart of God? He wants to take the weight of it off, the backpack, boom, drop it. People say, I don't know. I don't know if I could bring that to God. Do you understand? The cross is powerful enough. Jesus is powerful enough. The weight of any sin is not too great for him to carry. You never meant to carry that. you got to drop it. September 4th, I was speaking, and we did a time of communion and prayer at the end of the service, and there was a lady on a Saturday night sitting in here, and she thought she was coming to church. She was going to just think, oh, I'll just, I need to pray for strength. In a letter she wrote to me that she said I could share freely with um, with the church, she said, "I." she explained about a, a very abusive relationship that she's not in anymore. In fact, her life was threatened in that relationship she's not in it she's apart from it but man the effects of that have been so real so she, she thought she was coming in to pray for strength during the time of communion and prayer i referenced the scripture and a call to confess and and she started to weep think, and she's just thinking through this whole thing she just needs strength and she started weeping about her what had gone on in life and she said people got up and went to the tables but nobody stopped to talk to her Says in, she said, I'm 47. It was the first time I've ever run out of a room crying as an adult, let alone church. She ran out and she got behind our bathrooms over there and she, and she cried. As she was weeping, she realized something. The Lord directed something. It's like, what are you really afraid of? And as the thoughts played out, it's not, it wasn't a fear that she needed strength. She had an issue of forgiveness the Lord was pushing on her. She was carrying baggage from hurts done to her. Now, the hurts were never her fault. But she's now been carrying the bitterness and the anger, and it's been affecting her, and God is now calling her to forgive. She's safe from the relationships. Not saying run to the relationship, but you need to drop the weight. And I love how she wrote it in her letter. She's like, I sat, um, or she said, and then, um, oh, let me jump ahead here. It says, um, holy cow, I did, for real, for once and for all. And I started to breathe again. I realized that I'll be fine. When I walked back in, I took communion and returned to my seat. I realized, I knew all along that I didn't need to ask for strength to do battle. I had to be willing and ready to forgive, and I did. And can I just say, the letters kept coming that week, how her life has been changed. She didn't even know how transforming that would be. She dropped the weight. Some people drop the weight of anger. Some people are dropping the weight of sexual sin. Some people are dropping the weight of whatever. And I'm not saying that it's not going to be an ongoing battle. This is battle. But you don't need to carry it and do it on your own. So if it's the occult, we're renouncing it. If it's disobedience, what are we doing? We're confessing. What's the third area? The third area deals with the area of deceit. And what do we need to do with deceit? We need to replace it. Well, what in the world are we replacing it with? We're going to replace any lie with the truth. This is a truth war. How does deceit work? Well, again, it's very sneaky. We don't even know that we're deceived, and we see the world a certain way. So I want to try to figure a way to illustrate this for you, too. So I had to go looking through Mike Yearly's car to find something, and I found these. <laughs> I think he wears these when he rides his Harley, but these glasses. Um, let me just put these on. Can you picture Mike right now? Okay. <laughs> So these glasses have a blue lens. Now, what's up with the blue lenses? When I look around, what do I see? Blue. You're all blue. Um, My world is blue. Everything looks blue. Imagine that if we believe a lie, it's like walking around looking through a lens that's distorting everything by this lie that you believe. Let's say that these lenses represent rejection. They're the lenses of rejection. Everything you look at, you have the lens that you are not wanted You're not accepted. You interpret every event in life through these lenses. Everything you see comes like it. It may have started simply. It could start, I should take these off so I can talk to you. It's like, I can't look at you like that. Um, It could start real simply by a parent telling them, like, yeah, you weren't even planned. It could be when you were in a classroom. And a teacher uses you as the example of how not to do things. Wearing the lenses of rejection isn't usually a one-time scenario. It's probably a repeated events of things that have happened through your life and you're still carrying that. And you have felt rejected for years. And so now you begin to put these on and interpret everything through these lenses. And you believe a lie that you are truly unwanted in life, even by God. So these affect how you look at God. So the only way, how do you combat this? The only way to combat it is, there's, there's other lenses. Let's say these represent, the clear lenses represent the truth of God's word. You have to be willing to try something. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, I know you, you say, this isn't my reality. But you say, as you put these on, say that no. Sorry about the style, but... <laughs> Good thing we're not talking fashion this morning. Uh, these le- let's say these clear lenses represent... Clarity and the truth of God's word. We know that Psalm 139 says, Listen, you have been knitted together in your mother's womb. You're not, you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. It means you've been selected and chosen. Romans 15 says, Accept one another, just as in Christ I've accepted you. So how do you how do you even deal with a lie? You have to be willing to put on these lenses and be willing to consider looking at God like this, saying, I know these, I feel this, but I know this. This is why spiritual battle is not a feelings war. This is a truth war, and you've got to be willing to put these on. And let me tell you, you maybe put them on for a second, oh, you're right back to your, oh, these are more comfortable. I'm used to this. Put the other ones on, and it's hard to see. Have you ever driven down a dirt road that's been driven down hundreds of times, and now there's little tire grooves in them? It's like grooves in the road. And if the grooves are deep enough, you can let go of the steering wheel. It drives itself, right? And it's like if we believe a lie long enough, it it really entrenches in our life. And if you're putting on new lenses and say, I'm going to try and look at this differently, it's like trying to turn your wheel And man, everything's going to want to turn right back into those ruts. But you're going to have to drive over this and over this. And with time, it'll become easier. It's hardest at the beginning. That's why this may be a war of every few minutes. You're, oh gosh, i got to put these back on. But be careful. you got to take off the lenses of rejection, be willing to put these lenses on. Maybe there's other lenses. I had to go to Joel Lanyard's office for these. These are purple. (laughs) I think he goes dancing on Friday nights. Uh, But let's say you put these lenses on. And this represents fear. You're not safe. Circumstances in life have happened so much that now you look at everything. It could be fear of man, fear of failure, fear in your finances, fear that just from evil itself. Do you know that scripture says that you are secure? In fact, he, is, he has plans for your life. I don't care what's gone on. He truly will take care of you and prosper you. So you got to be willing to take these off, put the other lens on. So what do we do when we have lies? We replace them with truth. So let's take this today. You came in here. We've had a service, talked about all the spiritual warfare stuff, come in smiling. We think we're all good, but in reality, you might be wearing these. Got some of these around your neck. And you're carrying this weight uh, all around Hey, how you doing this morning? Oh, I'm awesome. I'm doing great. How you doing? Oh, man, couldn't be better. Oh, I know, I know. Now, on the outside, you look great, but you are like a spiritual disaster walking. And who is this referring to? All of us. I'm a pastor. I've had to deal with all of these. not dealing with the occult stuff, but I still have to always keep changing my lenses. I have to keep dropping my bags, my weights. So this morning... Is about taking these off. Letting the Lord break the chains. And now you're going to drop your weight. And walk out a little freer. Isn't that good? Does that sound good? So what we're going to do. We're going to do this by taking communion. You're going to go to the tables. Um, The tables represent the work completed so we can do this. In a second, I'm going to have some scriptures come on screen that declare who we are, the lenses that we need to see life through. But I just want to say, the, the bread there represents the broken body of Christ. The, the juice represents the blood of Christ that it has been paid for, and we fall under a new king and a new authority. And, and I want to just say something. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can't do any of this. Because this is, not from, this is not our power we're living on. So right now, I just want to say, if you've never given your life to Christ, or you don't even know if you've ever done it, you say, Lord, I give you my life. I confess my sin. I'm going to accept your forgiveness. I want you to do things I could never do on my own. I choose to follow you. Believe that you are God. You came, you died, you rose. I follow you and I give you my life. And let him be the one that begins to clean you up. Let him be the one that picks you up. Let him be the one that begins to replace the lies that you believe with the truth of who he is and who you truly are. Do You know what scripture says, who you truly are in him? They're on your outline, but look on the screen. If you're a believer, you are born again. A new creation. Accepted. Secure. You are not condemned. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're equipped to do life. You are righteous in the eyes of God. Those are your lenses. I don't care how you feel. If a believer, that is true. But you may not be able to see or believe it because you've got all these things. So what I want to do right now as we enter into a time of worship, I want to encourage you to do business with God. This is the time that we take those strongholds down that have surfaced in all these ways, and I've illustrated all of them, but you're going to take them down, and you can't do it on your own, so you're going to fall in the mercy of God. Renounce occult involvement. You tell him, I, Lord, I renounce it. I pray you take back that ground. Forgive me for that. Take that back. I confess my disobedience, and you lay it out there, and Lord, I replace these lies with the truth of who I am in you and who you are. That's what we do. That's what you're going to do now. Do you know your elders and pastors will stand with you this morning? If you're an elder or a pastor in here, I'd just encourage you. Um, well, let's all stand up right now. And if you're an elder or pastor, why don't you? Can you make your ways to the front, to the sides? We are going to stand with you and pray with you. You may want to come and pray with one of us, and I encourage you to do it. Let us pray with you. Maybe it's an area that you want specific prayer for because it feels this stronghold feels real, and you've tried and you're battling alone. Or it may just be simply just hey, pray for me. I'm dropping this. I want to stay free from it. But I would encourage you, take advantage, pray with some of your leaders that are here today. We'd love to stand with you, but most importantly, connect with God, whether it's on your own, kneeling, enjoy the freedom of communion. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to, when I'm done, feel free to take communion and go pray with your leaders. We'll stand with you this morning. Father, it's a privilege to come into this place this morning. It's a privilege. Privilege to stand in the shadow of the cross, knowing that everything has been accomplished that needs to be accomplished, that the powers of darkness have no power over you. And Father, I pray this morning, would you fill the minds of these people, that they would follow your lead in renouncing occult involvement, in confessing disobedience, in replacing lies with truth, that you would lead them right now. I ask it, Lord, in your name. Amen. Right on. We have a greater God, right? He's stronger, right? So good. This week, you continue living that out. Continue to fall through on all this stuff. You can walk free. We're called to be people who are free. So you continue to respond. And remember the scripture I mentioned, if you're here right at the beginning of the service, I made a reference to Isaiah 61, a scripture about what Jesus came to do. Written about him, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the favor of the Lord, to comfort those who mourn, provide for those who grieve, bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. So is the Lord replacing that today? You experiencing that? So you continue to live in the truth of God's word and respond as he leads you. And two quick reminders, if you want to pick up Mike's letter, you can grab that at the point, November 2nd, uh, we can all vote, so we would encourage you to participate in that too, but glad you guys came out, God bless you, and uh, Mike will be uh, seeing you next week as he brings the word, God bless you. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message, we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.